welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me today, um, I've got a videographer. Uh, she owns uh, her own production company. It's called Lion Art Media. Uh, she used to work uh, as a video producer for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, and that's how I met her. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about her passions, her artistry, and why she does what she does. Thank you very much for joining me, Laura Kesman. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. It's good to be here. You're welcome. How are you? How are you today? You know, I'm 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 doing okay. Um, I feel like that's a pretty tricky question lately. Um, yeah. But 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 you know, overall, overall doing doing good. I know that this is like a much delayed conversation. We had originally scheduled our in-person interview for right before COVID really took hold um yeah. so anyway so it's good to it's good to be able to do this with you oh absolutely i'm glad we could do it as well like i think that the yeah um i had to obviously because of covid i had to like it was still an in-person show at the time and it took me a couple months you know to like stop being stubborn and adapt but yeah i think it was a much needed time off so Honestly, like I'm in a much better headspace to be doing this now than back then anyway. Um, but it took time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that being said, uh, it appears that we have um, a little drinky uh, <laughs> going on here. So I'm keeping it pretty basic. What do you got, Laura? So I have um, one of my go-to drinks all time, like all year round, which is just kombucha and Tito's. It's very good. Yeah. In a, in a foundation glass, of course. So. That sounds so good. I love kombucha. <laughs> I, I need to like casually buy kombucha a lot more, like have some like for the house, you know? Ooh, I've, I have not been as bold as to try to make my own kombucha. I respect the process. I feel like for me, it's the same mental block I have about baking my own sourdough bread <laughs> uh it's it's for me it's in that same category unfortunately yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> i wouldn't try to make some probably that's probably not for a long time but um <laughs> but yeah it's um kombucha is great when i was working at company brewing i used to like it was like if i get, did like a brunch shift i and i didn't i wasn't in the mood for a shift drink I'd usually just get kombucha like in the middle yeah. of the afternoon, you know? I mean, it makes you feel like you're doing something healthy for yourself. Yeah. Not in some Tito's, just you forget it's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kombucha, it, it makes you feel so like earthy and pure, you know? Yeah. All those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, last night, I actually, um, speaking of cocktails, um, so I'm like kind of starting this uh like bartending gig at um, the Aster. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, I'm working my first uh, wedding tomorrow night. And so I was with, um, so my buddy Pat is like the head bartender there. Mm -hmm. And so last night he like kinda, we did some training. Okay. Uh, so I had to like learn how to make all the basic cocktails. So made, we made some Long Islands, some Manhattans, nice. some martinis, uh, margarita, old fashioned. Um, 
got pretty drunk last night. I was just gonna say, like, were you were you taste testing all of them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah we had to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I learned I absolutely hate vermouth, and I'll probably never get a martini or a Manhattan. Uh huh. Not, not my five. thing. Are you more into like the sweet, the sweet side of things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I dig old fashions a lot. I love mm -hmm. a good Moscow mule. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, but I'm mostly just drinking this stuff because it's cheap. Yeah, well, and it's, I mean, standard. It's a good go-to. Exactly, you know. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I'm glad we could finally uh, sit on this Friday afternoon and chat. Mm -hmm. um, so, Laura, what we talk about on uh, Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And uh, yeah, like I said, I so we first met um, when you were shooting a video for, I believe it was Zed Kenzo uh, yep. at Company Brewing and yep. you were there for 88.9. Yep. And uh, that was, um, yeah, that was over a year ago already. That was over a year ago. Yep. Um, I, I was at 88.9 for about four years. So it's <laughs> actually kind of sad that I didn't meet you before then. I'm sure we cross paths a lot, um, but but yeah, I remember I was shooting um, a, a video that was featuring Zed Kenzo. Um, shout out to Zed. <laughs> um, and yeah, they were performing um, uh, for the I think it was the Manitoba Music Exchange. Um, which was like a collective oh, yeah. artist, yeah. you know, and, and they performed in, in all of their respective cities. And so in Milwaukee showed up, like that was a really, really great show. Um, and I remember we had just come off of um, being in South by Southwest together. Uh, my partner in crime, uh, Bianca Fuster, who you've Big also shout had out to Bianca, show. yes. Big yes. shout out to B. Always, always shouting out to B. Went to South by Southwest in, yeah, that was 20, 2018. And we were also filming for 88.9, um, doing a, a short a short doc that mm -hmm. we did, um, kind of recapping um, Zed, Lex Allen, and Crystal Knives, um, AKA Spencer. Obviously they were the first cohort of um, the uh, Generator 88.9 partnership of backline which has kind of blown up since they've been a part of it um so yeah yeah good good times good memories yes yeah absolutely um yeah zed is like i always love zed's shows but they're also just like so um like so fun to hang out with like their social media like is mm -hmm. like super fun and, and like just really colorful and like it's always I love seeing Zed like on and off the stage um and that was my first time like getting to talk to them um like in person because I interviewed them for breaking and entering after the show mm -hmm. um but yeah and so that being said um so when did you um leave 88.9 for to do your own thing? Um, so I officially exited um, in September of last year. So September 2019. Um, and I had been at the station since 2015. Um, I had moved back to Milwaukee um, at that time from uh, Washington, D.C., where I lived for five years. Um, and 
the gig at 88.9 is, is part of what brought me back to Milwaukee, which I'm eternally grateful for. I didn't think that I was going to um, end up back here. Um, I'm a UWM alum. I moved to DC after graduation um, and just didn't think that uh, living in Milwaukee would be a sustainable place for me to do what I do um, professionally. And it was a crazy happenstance that they happened to be looking for um, their first video producer that they were to hire. Um, and so I, I kind of came on and um, started 88.9's video department um, and kind of was a, a one woman show for a few years until um, this, this, this bright young very motivated young woman named Bianca came and became my intern um, a couple years in and then she eventually was hired on um, also as a producer and and then the rest is history I mean I yeah I'll, I'll pause and yeah <laughs> for sure she's so dope Bianca's so amazing she's was recently a an emerging fellow with um Cartemquin which is a um, super well-known, well-respected documentary um, production house in, in Chicago, okay. and they offer um, this this emerging documentary filmmaker fellowship um, that's focusing on diverse voices. And she was selected, which is um, a big deal. A big yeah. deal. Is very very proud of her. And so she just finished that term, which was kind of unfortunate. It was obviously interrupted because of COVID. Um, but, but yeah, so she's, yeah. So she's, uh, you know, taking on the world as we For sure. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Been almost a, a year since she's been on the show. So, um, it's great to see that, um, yeah, she's, uh, continuing her, her journey of, she's very, very talented and mm -hmm. I wish her the best sure um so laura uh so I'll, before we like get into everything that you're doing now i'd love to hear a little like kind of take it back and hear a little bit about your own journey with like how um doing video work became like a creative outlet for yourself and how it led you to your where you are today well first of all i'm gonna say that it's very unnatural for me to be the one being interviewed I am. I love, I love interviewing interviewers. <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels very strange uh, to talk about myself. I'm actually holding, I'm actually holding back my um, temptation to just like ask you a, a bunch of questions right now. Uh, but Which I, you can, you can um, feel free to. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, I guess taking it back, I mean, I, um, I went to school for, for journalism. I graduated with a print journalism and, and documentary degree from UWM. And um, I, I had a, a spectrum of, of internships that eventually led me to an opportunity that I had in DC to work for Al Jazeera English um, the, the fall after I graduated. And so in 2010, I moved to DC and I started working um, for Al Jazeera's uh, daily talk show called The Riz Khan Show, which is um, no longer in production, but um, 
but Al Jazeera is still doing incredible things. Yeah, they're um, a great network. They really are. Um, it makes me very sad that, you know, we, we can't have them as a mainstream network here in the States. Um, but alas, that led to different opportunities and I worked for um, a variety of, of media organizations when I was in DC. Um, documentary filmmaking was always something that um, struck a chord with me. I mean, my, again, my intention was to go into journalism. This was during the time that the media landscape was changing so dramatically. Um, I don't know if anyone else out there was in the JMC program, um, but that first year where it became this hybrid where everyone going through the journalism program was learning this trifecta of print, broadcast, and documentary because having the foresight of, you know, uh, as, a, as a reporter, you need to sort of be your own self-sufficient machine and I'm so thankful for that foresight and thankful that I got to, you know, kind of have that training right before I graduated. And that introduced me to, um, in a more formal way, uh, you know, documentary production. And um, my, I don't know if, if this name rings a bell at all, but my professor Tess Galoon at UWM was sort of the one that really like in, like kicked it off for me you were yeah you were in the program like before my time so okay yeah 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 um yeah so I I kind of just like took that inspiration and and you know um it led to uh, a variety of different things when I was in DC um you know I I've always been doing like independent documentary filmmaking um even when I was doing not a documentary specific job. Um, but I've always been in the media production world. So I'm going on about 11 years um, in the field, um, having done a pretty vast variety of, of, of things that I think has informed my journey to now like start my own production company. So um, it is strange to look back and I don't do this very often. I don't like recap the journey like this very often. And it, it is very strange to, to think of these chapters that have opened and closed, you know, during that time. But, um, and, and so yeah, DC was a big part of that, that journey. Um, I worked for um, a few different media organizations after um, Al Jazeera. Um, I was at National Geographic for three years um, prior to moving back to Milwaukee, and then and then 88.9. And so, yeah. And I and I am so thankful to be back in Milwaukee. I'll say that. Good. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm happy you're back too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a really. Um, it sounds like a really exciting series of positions. Um, like working for National Geographic sounds really awesome. Um, I'd love to hear more about that experience. Um, yeah, I mean that it remains to be um, such a special time in in my life. Um, uh, leaving was a hard decision. Um, the The company was going through a lot of changes um, at the at the time that I left, and I sort of. Um, exited as there was sort of a mass exodus happening um, in my 
department and I just, you know, the writing on the wall was there that our department wasn't going to be around much longer, but my time there was, was, um, yeah, really enriching. I learned so much. Um, I started out as a, um, a footage researcher in their archives of video. And so, um, I mean, probably by no surprise, I mean, National Geographic licenses um, a ton of their footage that they have this library that literally dates back to the 1910s, where they have like old film reels um, that they still convert. And yeah. Um, and so I like the first like year and a half that I was there. Um, it was uh, my my desk had um, like five different media players from like a like beta tapes, three quarter inch tapes, VHS, DVD to digital like and and so depending on the format of what was being requested like um, so it in, like it it uh, invited me to just like watch just a ton of just crazy shit every day from like, you know, uh, un like deep sea footage of bioluminescence to, you know, a sea lion, you know, attacking, um, you know, like, a, I don't know, their prey. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> exciting time. But then, but then um, that transitioned into me working for a different department, <laughs> which um, was was really exciting and where I really got to like start exercising my chops with editing. Um, and I worked directly with the uh, grantees and explorers that National Geographic funds to go out in the field and actually like do the research um, and do the do the science that you read about in the magazine and on the TV shows. Um, so so I would, you know, I had a direct line of communication with them where they would like send me their footage in the field and I would sort of give it a first pass and then present it to all these different departments um, within the organization that would then decide, you know, if like they wanted to do a story or whatever it was. And so it was, um, it was a very exciting time. You know, I had a really, really cool experiences, just like being working at the headquarters um, when I was there, just like the opportunities to meet certain people and um, just, I mean, work amongst like truly passionate people. Um, the stereotype of of like who works at National Geographic is very very accurate. You know, um, it's 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 kind of a funny paradox because Nat Geo is um, is positioned like like a block away from K Street in D.C. And if you're familiar with that, I mean that's that's where you know a lot of like lobbying headquarters are are placed. And um, I mean it's just blocks away from from the White House. And so it's in this like very um like buttoned up part of dc yeah. and you can always spot somebody who worked at nat geo um by like their cargo pants and hiking boots <laughs> like in the middle of of all of that um <laughs> uh yeah but anyways yeah it was a very 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 good time in in my life yeah awesome. and then came back here so sure yeah that's mm -hmm. like a really um sort of unique and specialized way of storytelling um, like utilizing storytelling for like um, talking about geography and like nature and like wonders of the world. I, I'm in a bunch of like wonders of the world Facebook groups. Oh, like cool. this is like you know eye candy for like to like 
as I'm scrolling through my like Facebook feed and stuff and yeah, yeah like you realize all the places you haven't been <laughs> absolutely yeah it's um I'll say that it was pretty trippy like work like working alongside people who whose business card literally says explorer wow <laughs> like awesome. like who actually has a business card that says explorer but you know there it was very common um yeah you know i i enjoyed feeling out of my element as much as i did um i mean i didn't come into net geo having like much of a you know so, like science background or um like i mean it's not necessary of course i mean yeah. there's like thousands you know hundreds of people that work um there so you know, it's a variety of people, but it was exciting being constantly challenged and constantly learning from, you know, I mean, like I would sit down and somebody would hand me a hard drive and suddenly I'm transported to Nepal and, you know, and somebody at the base of Mount Everest and it like, you know, and, and their journey and, and, um, you know, their building relationship with the Sherpa population. And it's, so it just like, every day was different. And that's something that I really, um, yeah, just appreciated and, and miss from that, that time. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I think all that, like I, in high school, I think besides broadcasting, my favorite class I ever took was human geography. Mm. Um, like learning about how like populations and like civilizations like affect the environment around them and like how like you know it touches on things like sociology and even some anthropology and stuff and it's it is so like insightful and it makes you like appreciate different cultures and different and like multiculturalism and appreciate like that there is so much we have to learn about the world and the people in, that inhabit it in corners of the earth that yeah. we didn't know existed. Like it's, Absolutely. that stuff is, I love that stuff so much. Same. And like that, um, that like expansiveness and the, uh, like the humbling moment of, of, of just, realizing just like how um, interconnected we all are uh, in a very strange way. And I've thought about this a lot recently of, of how these things inform the way that I, I see things through my lens and how that informs um, like my, my shooting style, um, you know, now is, you know, pretty much every story that we tell is so narrative driven. It's so like personal narrative driven where, you know, we really try to um, give the viewer an experience of somebody else's story, yeah. you know, and try to remove um, ourselves as much as possible and just let the beauty and, and complication of somebody's story to speak for itself, you know, and so when I kind of trace back, you know, these experiences that I've had that have led me here, I, you know, I, I do believe that it's informed a lot of, of just like how I operate now and how I approach storytelling now. So 
totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That that makes total sense. Um, so, excuse me. Um, so when um, so when you came back to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. started working for eighty eight nine. Um, so like. Um, you know, I've talked to, I've had some folks that work for the station on the show and it's always like super exciting to get to talk to every single one of them because yeah. they always have such a positive like experience with working there and like have, it feels like it's just, it like, it makes you like understand Milwaukee's issues but also allows you to embrace Milwaukee's culture and yeah you know the, the enrichment that comes with that so yeah that being said um I'd love to hear about like what some of your favorite productions or moments working for the station uh were in your um in your tenure wow 889 it was a very special time in my life and I um you know I have nothing but love towards the station now and love for the people who are still there um you know I for for a while I mean there's definitely like a family dynamic among the people that that worked there um you know I I at least felt that um you know for the first few years and um I credit 88.9 to my relationship with Milwaukee now. I mean, coming back, having worked for them, immediately, you know, jumping into the field and doing videos literally every week. Like I was filming something, I mean, either multiple times a week or at least once a week. And how that forced me to sort of like embed myself in the fabric of the city in a way that I didn't do remotely when I was living here before when I was in college. And it really opened my eyes to just like how, I mean, just how unique and how vibrant and how um, enriched Milwaukee is in so many areas. Um, And just really, really like solidified my my decision for coming back here and like really putting down roots and in, in being like, no, like it is, it is possible to do this thing that, you know, you're sort of like conditioned to believe can only exist on either coast, you know, and like granted, like, sure, there are some opportunities that are afforded out there, but that doesn't exclude you from those things. I mean, basing yourself in a city like Milwaukee is so, um, it has so many advantages. Um, and so I credit 88.9 a lot for, you know, kind of reigniting my, my love for Milwaukee. Um, and I mean, in terms of, you know, notable moments that I had there, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, um, you know, in my time working there. So I was there for about four years and I'm well, I, I, I kept an Excel sheet of, of all the videos that I did from start to finish. Mm. And, um, and by the time I left, I had produced over 200 videos, which might, which, uh, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people like knew that we did the video content that we did while I was there, which is partially unfortunate, but like, but also it's like, if anyone wants to do a deep dive of the radiomilwaukee.org, 
video archives. There's a trove of these like mini documentaries that would be put out every week that would oftentimes, you know, uh, be compatible with a community stories segments that you would hear on air or whatnot. Um, and also during my time there, we um, produced five documentary series that uh, well, four documentary series, one just like a fun video series that we did. And one of them was turned into a feature length film that was premiered at the 2018 Milwaukee Film Festival called Invisible Lines. And, um, and that honestly was, was probably my biggest highlight working for the station. Um, I mean, not only was that a first for 88.9 in terms of having made a, a, a film, but let alone a film that was um, premiering at a film festival, but we did some research and, and uh, we can say with like 95% certainty that 88.9 was the first radio station to have a documentary feature in a film festival. And I don't think that that was emphasized enough, like when that was happening, but it was a like, like I really was internalizing that is like that's a that's a big deal, you know. Made like, history, made history. You know, that's made, awesome. Made history. Just dropped <laughs> Mike and and and, and left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that was I mean like that was such a special moment. We had our premiere at the Oriental, and literally every member of the staff was there. Um, we we packed out the oriental and just like being on stage and just like being able to just give i don't know it was like like a love note you know to my time there at 88.9 and it was just it was so electrifying that 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 moment so that's definitely that's definitely a, a highlight for sure um and and, and awesome. invisible lines is still screening around milwaukee um yeah uh the amazing Maddie um, from 88.9 has been... Reardon? Yes. Shout out Maddie Reardon. That's right. Maddie Reardon is one of my, one of my favorite humans. She's incredible. Kind. So kind. And she's responsible for Invisible Lines. I mean, it has legs of its own now. I mean, it's used as a community building tool. It's used as a, um, you know, a a corporate tool for diversity and inclusion training um you know yeah so it's it's got its own legs now and that's all thanks to maddie so hell yeah she's, mm -hmm. she's dope yeah that's, <laughs> that is so cool to hear that like that was a feat you accomplished in your career there and uh, like yeah like i i didn't know that like that was one of the things that that was an, an accomplishment attached to the production is that like um that that happened so that's really really cool like good for you thanks and, and one thing that i think that you know anyone else who's watching that is in production specifically documentary production i feel like it's notable to say that um the documentary that ended up premiering started out as a six part series that we submitted to the festival with the pitch that if they accepted it, we would, I would turn it into a 90 minute feature. And 
so when we got accepted, I had one month to turn a six part series into a 90 minute feature documentary, which required a lot of reshooting. I mean, we complete, like I completely like threw away the edits and started new. Like it was, it was a feat. And um, we had a, exactly three team members, myself, Bianca, and Nate Immig, who is still at 88.9. And, um, and literally like the technical execution and everything was, was just Bianca and I with zero budget. So I think that's mainly the thing I want to highlight is that it, it is possible to do a documentary with, with zero budget. Um, we are proof of that. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not my, I, I mean, I'm, yes, it's not my like most proud work, but there's a lot of other reasons why I'm proud of it. So totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. I, so I, I'm also a graduate of the uh, jams department hmm. at UWM, and I graduated two years ago and uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and I took the documentary class. Mm. And um, funny enough, actually, my documentary was about my trip to South by Southwest that year. Really? It was, yeah, um, which was in 2017. Okay. Um, I had some friends um, that made some music in Chicago. Like they had like a production company um, where we managed to secure passes. So. Going to Austin and uh, filming the entire experience on a camera that I got from school, like it was so cool. It was like that's awesome. What yeah, were you filming on? Just like the trip and what? Or like what? What camera did you have with you? Oh, 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 oh. Um, I don't remember the model. It was a. I know that the Jams department had just purchased ten new cameras. Um, so they were. They were new. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I'm not a, a camera guy, so I don't uh, necessarily know the exact model. But Oh, that's okay. Sure, yeah. Um, so we drove down there. Uh, it was a 20-hour drive. <laughs> it was exhausting. Uh, wow. Yeah. And we got there. Uh, I have a one of my best friends um, from home. I'm from the Chicago area. Um, he went to UT. And so he lived in Austin. So like we were able to stay at his place and just to like, there's so many highlights from that, from South by Southwest that like, I just encourage everyone who is like a young creative navigating the industry to experience. Like we, we saw the um, Welcome to Night Vale podcasters that's wow. really cool. We saw Hannibal Burris do like a live handsome I ramble. Love Hannibal I know it was so funny. Um, we and my personal highlight that I will never forget for the rest of my life is meeting Nardwar. Um, is it that is? I don't know who that is? He's a celebrity interviewer. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, he um, he interviewed. He's like this eccentric Canadian guy that interviews artists with and like he brings up really obscure information from their past and like gives them gifts to like show that he's done his research really well about this person like it, I'll, I'll send you it like the link to his channel it's like the coolest thing 
That is, yeah, I would love to see that. For sure, for sure. So meeting him because like I've he was one of my he's one of my biggest inspirations. So like meeting him in person and like seeing his story and just experiencing Austin was just the best thing ever. Like South by Southwest is such a great experience and i was gonna go this year because um i had uh we got press credentials for breaking and entering but sadly obviously got canceled yeah well you can make the case again next year if uh assuming that we are out of the weeds yeah which the way it looks right now i'm i don't have confidence that we will be (laughs) Because people are selfish, but <laughs> people are selfish, and uh, yeah, that is for a different day, though. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like the documentary class was such a great experience, and specifically, like just documentary storytelling is, I think, one of the most impactful and important ways of storytelling. Mm. Well, I am biased, but I agree with you. <laughs> so. Um, so that all being said, where you're at now, Lion Art Media, Laura, um, you have to tell me a little bit about like where this idea sort of originated and like just what drove you to like, you know, leave a bigger company and start your own thing. Like where did like the inspiration come from and how did you manifest it? Well, um, I think I think the general idea of one day, you know, having my own thing. I mean, whether that took the form of a production company or something else. I mean, I like the the idea had been in place, you know, for for a while. I mean, a, a good few years. It was something that um, that my my dad and I would talk about a lot. Where you know, I mean, he. Uh, um, he passed away in, in 2018. Um, but like, he was so supportive of my, of my, uh, journey and was always just like very, very excited about, um, the type of work that I was doing. And, and so he, like, he would always like to envision this scenario where, you know, I have my own production company and I'm doing everything I'm doing then at a larger scale. Um, so the idea had been in place for a while. Um, while I was at 88.9, um, I had started freelancing on the side. And so I, I was, you know, kind of, you know, doing both where I was working at 88.9 and then doing a lot of projects on the side. And so that was sort of like building the foundation for what would then become what that would then give me the confidence to make such a drastic shift. Um, and it was it was after my my dad passed away in 2018. It was that summer after that I um, started, uh, like I created the LLC, and it uh, came up with the name uh, Lion Art, and uh, and then everything else just started to sort of like take form from there. And it was a good you know 14, 15 months after I created you know, the entity that I actually made the transition and leaving 88.9. And since doing that, um, I, I'm I'm feeling, I'm feeling confident about my decision to do so. Um, You know, it was also something that, um, you know, Bianca and I like talked about for a long time of like, you know, 
one day when we have our own production company that's going to be run by women and we're going to hire women and we're going to diversify the field um, in a way so it's not so homogenous. Um, like, you know, these were all ideas that we had had for so long. And, you know, it, it just like, it came to a boiling point where I was like, it's kind of either now, I mean, not now or never, but it, it had to be now, you know? And, and we were at a point where, you know, we had enough work already, you know, that making that transition wasn't so scary. Um, so that was kind of where everything started. And, and now, I mean, how things, I mean, and we're less than a, I mean, technically less than a year in of being like fully in this. Um, so I'm, I'm still formulating what this like beast is, is going to look like, but, but really we have two sides of lion art. So we have the, the client side where we take on a lot of contracted work and we work with like a lot of incredible nonprofits in Milwaukee, um, different companies, you know, from branding and promo videos to, um, like, you know, like videos for nonprofits that aid in their fundraising efforts and like things like that. And so we, we really try to take on clients that also share our values and share our mission. Um, and so like so many of the videos that we've been hired to do, like mimic the type of stories that we've been telling for so long anyway. And so that's been really cool. Um, you know, our, uh, you know, we've done a few projects for, um, uh, different branches of Planned Parenthoods, both here in Wisconsin and out West. Um, and so that's been really, that's been really cool just as an example of, um, you know, some projects that we're doing that really, again, are in line with our mission. Um, but then we have the like original content side of Lion Art where, you know, we are producing, um, currently we have uh, two feature documentaries that are in production, one short documentary in production. And we do, you know, like a, a, a fair amount of just original short form work too. So, and that was really able to like blossom and like come into form more like during the pandemic that we're still in. Um, but in those first few months where you're recalibrating everything and a lot of our projects got put on pause, you know, it really did offer us an opportunity to really dig into what line art original content was going to look like and feel like and be about. And, you know, that has always been for us, like the stories that we tell most often, the stories that we tell best, um, usually, you know, are surrounded around social justice, women's rights, mental health, women in women in sports um you know these are some of the the key themes that we you know have stuck to and that yep. people come to us for um and so we did a video um uh in response to the april 4th not april 4th what was it april what what day was the election seventh seventh sounds right yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um so we we did a a video sort of recapping the um, the questionable decision to uh, host 
in-person voting. The travesty that was that day of five out of 180 polling places, yes, I agree. Yeah, that, that day, yeah. yeah so, that we, day. Um, so for example, you know, Bianca and I went to all five polling places that day and filmed and then put this video together that was just sort of recapping, um, really focusing on the voters and focusing on the decision that people had to make that day, you know, between their health and between their democratic right to vote. I mean, you had to choose. You know, that was featured on John Oliver. I think I heard that. I don't think I saw the segment, but I, I remember yeah. hearing that. His uh, recent episode about voting uh, in mail, voting through uh, mail, um, featured that story actually. It was a disaster, but yeah. so, you know, we, and it's not anything, I mean, it's like during the pandemic, these original short form documentary pieces that we've done haven't been planned. They've been more so just in response to everything happening right now. And there's just so much happening right now that it's, you know, it's in our, in our blood, it's in our instinct to document it and to tell these stories and so literally the morning of the election Bianca and I were like wait wait what's happening wait it's this much of a of a shit show and so we we decided the morning of that we were going to go and in film and then uh fast forward a month later um and in the immediate wake of George Floyd um uh we went my, myself and then um, one of our, our co-directors, William Howell, of uh, one of the feature documentaries that we are producing, um, went to Minneapolis and ended up doing quite a bit of um, coverage of the protests that were just beginning in those initial days, which then, of course, led to, you know, the um, reignited movement that we're experiencing right now. And so we really were there able to capture like the, the genesis of that. And during that week and a half, we put out four like protest recap videos, um, three of them based in Minneapolis. And then one of them, when we got back and the marches had already started here in Milwaukee. And so we did one Milwaukee recap as well. Um, so that was all reactionary you know but it offered us really like a chance to kind of hone like the like this is like this is line art like this is like the content that we yeah. want to be known for and um ultimately is like paving the way for the stories that we're going to continue telling in the future um on a on a larger scale um and yeah, and that kind of feeds into the feature length documentary that we're working on right now um, called Cycle, The Right to Remain Violent. And that's, you know, that's a separate conversation, but- That is it, that is it. <laughs> so yeah, so we've, you know, I like, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's sort of line art in a nutshell at this point, but, um, but but yeah, I'm I'm very excited about the trajectory that we're on. I mean, of course, you know, our 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 heart and our passion lies in these original stories, you know, that we're that we're producing. Um, but that being said, we're so 
excited to be working with so many of our clients that we have. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> I ran out of kombucha. So I am now mixing my Tito's with um, a hard seltzer. Oh, yes. oh okay. The, the Trulies are broken out. Have you had <laughs> Trulies before? Plenty of times. No. I, okay. A couple weeks ago, I actually, um, I went to a, a lake house with a, a couple friends, um, like a month ago, maybe. And all we drank the whole weekend was truly. Really? Okay. I was in line at fresh time today and the person in front of me like vouched that they were very good. And this they're, is my- yeah. Yeah. They're like exactly like White Claws, but there's more flavors, which I like about them. There's more flavor for sure. For sure. So uh, anyways, where do we yeah. live? Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway, uh, that's, ex- um, that's so exciting to hear. You have two sides of the production company with both clients and your own endeavors. Like, I think, you know, it says, sounds like you get the best of both worlds when it comes to video production. So um yeah like i look forward to seeing the content uh as it uh you know as the months in the months to come i I can't wait to see what you've been working on and everything so thanks that being said um so like that kind of answers the question i normally ask which is like oh what are your plans for the rest of the year right um (laughs) but i guess uh in a sort of broader sense of time a year from now um what where do you want to be with the company and like what are some goals that you have for yourself it's a great question Hmm. um interesting to think about given the current circumstances in the current climate um it's i think if we've learned anything is that plans become very subjective. But that being said, um, you know, we like one in a year from now, um, we will be finishing the documentary that is currently in production called Cycle, um, where we have, you know, plans to submit it into in as many festivals as that will take us um, next year for 2021. Um, so we're, we're planning for that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to just like expand, you know, our, our client base a bit and be able to hire, you know, some more local talent. I mean, that's also a huge priority for, for me is to be offering, you know, as, as many, um, people like particularly, you know, women and um, people of color, like more opportunities within the video production field, like specifically here in Milwaukee. And um, I mean, the more work we get, the more people I get to hire to do that. So I am, um, you know, excited at the thought of expanding in that way. And then also, I mean, and this is like, you know, more down the line, um, you know, I think education is a really big priority for both Bianca and I and, and giving back to the community in that way. And so another form of, of how that may look eventually is, you know, I would love to eventually, you know, offer, you know, a line art specific fellowship, you know, where it's, 
it's very hands-on and you get um, industry experience, but you also, you know, uh, it's a way to instill confidence that you can do this type of thing. You can be on your own and you can set your own terms and you can tell the stories that you want to tell. It's just a matter of knowing where to look for resources. So um, being able to offer something like that for, you know, up and coming documentary filmmakers is, would be fantastic. And then, um, you know, I mean, we're, th we're thinking big, you know, we, yeah. we, we want, we want our documentaries to be, to make, to make a splash. We want them to be seen, you know, in festivals around the country. Um, and, you know, we have, we have plans to get our shit on some larger platforms. And so yeah. we're, we're, we're making moves. We're making you're, moves. You're plotting. We're plotting. You're, you're plotting. Yes. It's plotting and making dope content in the meantime. That's our, that's our strategy. <laughs> we love dope content. Um, that's awesome. I think that you have a great, um, you have a great head on your shoulders with like, obviously the, the actual like, you know, production aspect of it, but you also like have like really like, you have a really great vision, Laura. And like, you have a really great like way of like, um, like thinking critically about who you're making your content for and what you intend to get, like what messages you intend to get across with your productions and how you hope to make folks think critically. And I think that makes it such a like, you know, uh, special and important work that you're doing because like as a broadcaster, as somebody who works with film, video and visuals, mm -hmm. like you have an important job of like telling a story that folks can viscerally connect to. And I think, yeah, it sounds like you have really great horizons ahead of you. And I am really excited to see how it blossoms. So yeah. Well, that means a lot. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Once, one step at a time, one step at a time. And I also just want to say that I, you know, I'm, I'm so <clears throat> impressed with what you've created with this. I mean, I, I forget the my like the, the number milestone that you recently hit with the amount of episodes that you've been able to do up to this point. What number are you at now? Um, we're probably, we're hovering around 400 now. Wow. That's, that's no small feat. That is so impressive. And like, you know, creating this platform to like, it, it really, it's a community connector too. I mean, small walkie is a thing, you know, but like still, you know, there are people that you see around town, but you don't really know who they are. And like so many of those people have been guests on your show and it's really awesome to like kind of tangentially get to know them in that way. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate very much what you're doing and I have a lot of respect for the commitment that it takes to do it and the consistency and the dedication. I mean, like that's, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not easy work and I recognize that and I just want you to know that, so. Thank you. I, that means a lot. 
too. Like, I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, like it's, it's helped make a little sense of the world. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, especially, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, before we closed, um, I know you said you were tempted to ask questions earlier. Um, do you have any questions for me? Well, I was just gonna like, just ask, I mean, just getting real for a moment. Like how, like, how are you doing like during, during this very uncertain and tumultuous time? I mean, everyone's handling it differently. There's a, a strange sense of like global unity that people feel that we're all kind of experiencing this, the same thing in different ways, mm -hmm. but more, you know, focused on like what's happening here in our immediate surroundings and how that's affecting you personally. Like, how are you doing? Um, well, thank you for asking. Um, I, I think you, you actually, you touched on it earlier when I asked you what your goals were a year from now. And my response is actually pretty similar that like, it's really, it's strange to ponder um, like how I feel right now because sometimes it varies by the, the week. Sometimes it varies by the day. Sometimes it varies by the hour. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, I've been pretty good. Um, you know, I, it's, I think that out of, um, I think that like a big thing has been sort of how you're treating your own personal, um, I guess, personal growth and personal reflections and, and still like, you know, working on yourself through the pandemic. I think that's really important. And that's been something that's really been like, it's been monumental for me, like in personal strides, um, where like I learned to do a lot of things for myself that I may not have had the courage to do in the past or that I wasn't ready for. Like I live alone for the first time. Um, I like just started taking more responsibility for myself, holding myself more accountable for like, yeah. you know, myself as an ally, especially as a cisgender white man and yeah. how I can be the best ally. Like, and take responsibility for times like I like yeah. could have done better in the past. Um, and to be real, like like being totally honest, um, please do. Today, today um, I had therapy, mm -hmm. and um, I'm kind of unpacking some childhood trauma right now, um, and that is hard. It's painful and. It's something that I will work through. I, I know I can, um, but it's something that, um, yeah, it's just something that I've, I feel like I've been like really pushing away for many, many years now. Like mm -hmm. I'm talking like something that has been part of me for my entire life. Um, and I think that this is the first year that I'm really like, this is the first year I'm like sort of, you know, with therapy, like, you just dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, and um, I'm in some really advanced um, unpacking right now. So um, I'm dealing with that. That will be a bit of a trek that I will be working with 
working with on with my family and with my therapist and with the, the you know, the loving uh, relationships I've built with friends and with colleagues and people that, um, people that, you know, I can trust. And that is, it's encouraging to know, like, you always have people there and a community that is supportive. And um, so I think that this year, like, I learned to take a lot of accountability and a lot of, like, more action. Um, and it is, a, it's a lot to digest, you know, like, um, with the pandemic, with, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter marches, with, uh, um, you know, just community issues that are impacting our populations, like, it's, there's a lot to be angry out. Yeah, there's a lot to be angry about right now, but I do believe that there's a, that there is a way to respond to it. And uh, that response is what matters. And that response is action, growth, mm -hmm. and prosperity. So. And introspection. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, I've recently taken it upon myself to watch more comedy. Um, I, I, I like a lot of like psychological thrillers and like horror movies normally, but like lately I feel like I've needed to laugh a lot more. So I started watching Arrested Development and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Ugh, I love Arrested Development so much. Did you start from the beginning? Yes. Yeah. And I'm on, I'm already on season three. <laughs> and oh, it, so good. I laugh out loud hysterically every single time I watch it. So that is so therapeutic. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, I, um, yeah, so, you know, like you said, I mean, like, it's, it's hard, it's tough for everybody, like, all, of, any plans that many of us made for ourselves this year have all been affected adversely in some way, and, like, I feel like I've grown a lot, but, you know, there's a lot that has had to be on the back burner with COVID, and also, like, with, um, you know, priorities of like who needs to be, whose voices need to be uplifted right now. Right. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's complex. It's very, very complex, but I think I'm. Do you think that you can identify, um, the moment that was sort of like the, like the, the click for you to be like, all right, now is the time that I want to seek external help for these things that, as you said, you've carried with you your entire life. Yeah. Um, it becomes a part of you. It becomes your normal, you know, you just exist with it. And it's only until you, like, something happens most of the time beyond your control where you realize that this thing that's with you doesn't need to be with you and that is really imposing on you. You never invited it in. Yeah. Um, can I you identify what the moment was when you yeah. like, yeah. I do actually, um, which I actually realized that today. So good timing on that, on asking me that cause I, it was uh, actually a month and a half ago when I helped my parents move out of my childhood home. Mm, wow. 
that was a lot of revisiting of heavy of a lot of heaviness that I have been very distant from them for a long time. So, um, but now they're, uh, you know, I'm very happy for them that they've moved and like are now living in Michigan and um, have new beginnings. And, you know, I'm, I'm really like happy to be working towards a better, just like a better understanding between myself and those that, I hold close to me with my family. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really like, I, you know, I don't take that lightly. That's. Thank you for asking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for asking. Um, so Laura, um, um, I guess, um, you know, for the sake of time, um, it was great to hear about all the production work then and now that you've been involved in. And like I said, I'm, I sincerely am excited to see where it takes you. So that being said, uh, the closing questions, uh, what keeps you up at night, Laura? Ooh. Huh. What keeps me up at night? All the things that I forget during the day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, my real. for real though. Like my my short term memory has has only uh, gotten worse over over the years. I'm I'm 33 and have the recollection of somebody much much older than me. Um, anyways, I no I, I I what keeps me up at night is constantly feeling like I'm not doing enough. Like I'm like I'm I'm letting someone down, you know, like the, uh, the, the fear of disappointing or offending or, you know, like I'm, I'm like the fear of, of inadvertently causing someone else harm or discomfort or whatever it is. Those are the thoughts that haunt me at night a lot. Yeah. I hear you there. Mm-hmm. I Thanks. definitely hear you. And a lot of the time I acknowledge that, you know, it's amazing the scenarios that the brain can create out of thin air. Yes. Uh, but but it's it's real. And I feel like everyone it, to some extent experiences experiences that. So totally. I I have ADHD and like I forget things all the time. So I I hear you. I I will forget things that just like I give myself so many things to do, mm-hmm. and I for, end up forgetting some of them, and yeah. it can be haunting. What uh, puts you to sleep? Mm. It's a good question. I'm gonna be super honest and say I'm I'm horrible. I'm famously horrible for uh not having good answers to questions like these as in like i i can't think of like the most genuine answer on the spot and so i end up saying something that i end up like ah that wasn't real like that wasn't well if it, makes, if it puts a little less pressure on you a lot of people answer with weed so don't <laughs> don't don't feel like it has like to be like it, some super serious profound yeah. or anything yeah yeah Okay, then if I'm being honest, a lot of nights, it's reruns of The Office. Mm. 
so, <laughs> like unrivaled honestly either that or some you know really disturbing true crime shit that usually seeps into my subconscious when i'm dreaming so yeah <laughs> i did um recently speaking of dreams i started keeping a dream journal um i'm so proud of you i've been meaning to do that for years and I, i'm just not diligent how how are you diligent like what is like have you worked it into a routine where like it's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning or like how do you do it um so well i don't do it every single day because like some dreams aren't really like either they're too fragmented or they mm -hmm. aren't always like that profound to the point where i should write it down but um honestly like it's just kind of i do it in the morning um usually like as i'm drinking my first cup of coffee like i'll jot down like what i mm -hmm. saw or like what i experienced in the dream of that night and that's so cool yeah it's it's been um it's been like interesting to like have these because like a lot of times you forget your dreams like after like the day of so it's cool to have them documented so that like i always have them with me you're inspiring me there's a journal next to my bed that is empty that i bought for that very purpose a long time ago and i and i haven't wanted to like just use it for anything and so it's just remains blank so the next time oh. that we talk ask me about my dream journal and yes. i will remain accountable and and actually start doing it so i challenge you to do it tomorrow morning i challenge you to okay okay all right actually i'm gonna follow up with you tomorrow morning and tell you that i did it okay awesome Good. okay um and i'll leave a footnote when i upload this yes <laughs> please do yes fantastic <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much, Laura, for being on Mr. Nice Guy. Thank you for, you know, sharing your your stories and your experiences and everything you're working on now. Once again, truly excited to see how it all pans out. And um, for everyone watching, Lion Art Media, baby. <laughs> uh, can't wait to see uh, the wonderful work they do to enrich our community stories. And uh, we love to see it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you, Ben. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, Laura. Mm -hmm. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.